Shalom, shalom, and Boker Tov to all of you. Good morning. That's right, it's me, the radio rabbi, Rabbi Barbara Aiello, and we're back on the air. And so happy, and so pleased, and most of all, pleased that you are with us. Boker Tov is Hebrew for good morning. Good morning, and to all of our friends in the Sarasota area, and uh, wonderful to have you with us. We say good afternoon, right? It would be good afternoon in Europe. Good evening in Australia, Canada, and uh, that's so good. nice to have listeners from all over the world. And of course, we include our Christian friends who are on their way to church or coming home from the early service. We thank you for your consistent support of Israel, and we're so happy that you listen as well. Well, the Radio Rabbi Show has uh, two best friends. BFFs forever, right? And one of them would be our very own producer, Mr. Bill. Good morning, Mr. Bill. I'm a BFF. You're a BFF. You sure? How you doing? I'm doing great. It's an honor. Always, always glad to have my Sunday's whole back with your show. Oh, well, thank you so much. We appreciate all that you do for us, and we appreciate our brand new sponsor, Sarasota Watch Company, and uh, thank we thank them for being the new, uh, the new sponsor of the Radio Rabbi Program. We have lots of good news to share with you today. Mazel Tov to Claudia and Claudia on the occasion of their wedding to Liana and Michael. They're not only their wedding, but the naming of their three lovely daughters, and Mazel Tov Tovissimo. How about that a little uh, little mixture of Hebrew and Italian? Mazel Tovissimo to seven new Jews, Jews by choice, who sat before the Beit Din, who had a mikvah in the Mediterranean Sea. They came from all over Europe to make conversion from Sweden, Germany, England, Italy, Croatia, and even Singapore. And in fact, today's program is dedicated to our seven newly minted Jewish men and women. The dedication is made by by a friend of our program, Henry Carr, who says that these seven new Jews each represent a light on the synagogue menorah, a light of hope and promise for all Jews everywhere. So we thank you, Henry, for dedicating the program to our seven seven wonderful men and women who made conversion to Judaism. Today is Sunday, July 22nd, 2018. On the Hebrew calendar, it is the 10th day in the Hebrew month of Av in the year 5. 5,778. It is the day after a Jewish memorial, a very important day called Tisha B'Av. And uh, if you uh, were with us last week, we talked about the meaning of that memorial. And if you missed the program, you can always listen as a podcast on my website, rabbibarbara.com. You'll learn all about Tisha B'Av. This week's Parsha, or Torah portion, is the second portion in the book of Devarim, or Deuteronomy. It is called Ve'et Kanan, and it is Hebrew for, and I pleaded, or pled. I don't know how we say that. I'm begging you. How about that? I'm begging you. And in this Parsha, we find the Ten Commandments, and we find the most important words for Jews all over the world, the Shema. So before we go any for and before we go forward, I should say, it's really important to refresh ourselves with these beautiful and important words. We have Grace Fenn and Julie Silver to sing the Shema. Shema Israel 
And that was the Shema. Beautiful, right? The words, the words, most important words of the Jewish faith, sung so beautifully by Grace Fenn and Julie Silver. Well, why are we sharing these words with you today? Well, first of all, we find them in this week's Torah portion. And do you know that you have these words at your fingertips? Oh, no, no, Radio Rabbi. No, I don't. I haven't been to synagogue for... No. Do you have a mezuzah on your door? If you do, well, the words up to the Shema are at your fingertips because if you were to touch the mezuzah, right, you would be touching the outer case and inside you would find the scroll. How about that? Among the many memories that I have of my father, a blessed memory is the picture that I hold in my mind and in my heart, too, of my father standing at our front door. My father was a musician, a trumpet player, and he often returned home late at night. We lived above a bakery and a pizza parlor, and there was a steep staircase leading from the pizza kitchen to the apartment above. No matter how late it was, I always woke up when I heard my father's footsteps on the stairs. I'd hop out of bed, and I'd head to the front door, just in time to see my father with his hat in his left hand so that he could get his face as close as he could to the door frame of our apartment door. And then, before he'd do anything else, before he'd greet me or pick me up or even look around, he'd lean into the mezuzah on our door and literally give it a kiss. And for all my growing up years, the most important of all Jewish ritual items in our home the most important of them all, well, to me, was the mezuzah. So, today, let's talk about the history and tradition of the mezuzah and the special relationship the mezuzah has with Jewish festivals and holy days, too. Well, what is a mezuzah? Let's clarify. It is a Jewish ritual item, small or sometimes large, a case that we place on the side of our doors. Inside the case is a little scroll rolled up tight. So, what's on the scroll? Well, the prayer that we just heard, the Shema that comes from the Torah. And so, where does the mezuzah come from, and what historical significance does it have for us as Jews? Well, in biblical times, mezuzah was simply the word for the doorpost of a house. But it derives from a very interesting Hebrew root, sometimes pronounced zuz, 
Zoos, Z-O-O-Z would be spelling it phonetically, Zoos, which means to move back and forth. And some of our sages write that the relationship between Zoos and Mezuzah signifies the back and forth spiritual relationship we have with the God of our understanding. The Mezuzah, or Zoos, reminds us that the relationship is a mutual one. References to the mezuzah occur in the Jewish Bible called the Tanakh and in the Torah itself, but the first and most significant reference is found in Exodus in Shemot, and it is related to the festival of Passover, of of Pesach. And we read in Exodus in chapter 12, which starts in verse 7 and continues to verse 22, and they shall take of the blood of the lamb and put it on the two side posts and on the lintel upon the houses. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you That's how we get the word Passover. And there shall be no plague upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And then you shall take a bunch of hyssop, that is a plant, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. Well, the mezuzah was where the blood was applied at the first Passover. The original mezuzah was the doorpost of your tent, and the original directive was to smear the hyssop and smear the blood on the mezuzot, that's plural, the doorposts. But there are other references to the mezuzah as well. In Exodus, we read that when a slave was given his freedom, in other words, free to leave his master's house, there were times when the slave chose to remain with the family. When that decision was made, there was a special ceremony right at the mezuzah. Everyone would gather at the mezuzah where the slave, who now became a servant, would have his ear pierced to show that he wanted to serve his master for life. There are other biblical references to the mezuzah as well. We find them in Samuel and in Proverbs, where we read that a person becomes wise when he or she waits at the mezuzah, at the doorpost, eager for instruction, eager to learn. Well, today, the meaning of the mezuzah has changed. It has been transferred from the doorpost. Now it is a little box attached to the doorpost. A minhag, a custom that has led us led to the creation of these beautiful boxes in the in an art form that we called we call mezuzah art. I'm sure you've seen some of them. It's large and ornate, small and elegant, uh, beautiful designs, sometimes with uh, precious stones, sometimes with carvings, sometimes made out of wood or ceramic. Here in our synagogue in Italy, we have a collection of mezuzot, and we even have one brought to us from Japan, a visitor who came to tour the synagogue, and she brought a mezuzah shaped like sushi. 
Yes, indeed. It can look the case. The mezuzah case can uh, can uh, can be of any design you like. The essentials are the letter shin and the uh, scroll placed inside. But regardless of the look of the box or the case, there are some basics that define the mezuzah. In fact, sometimes the word mezuzah refers to even more specifically to the scroll of parchment found inside the little box on which two scripture passages from Deuteronomy or Devarim are written. Traditionally, these verses are verse uh, from chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, and from chapter 11, verses 13 through 21. The verses inscribed on the parchment scroll inside the mezuzah illuminate its original purpose. And from Deuteronomy, again, we hear these instructions, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, at the Lord is one. And then, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha b'chol avavcha v'chol nafshecha v'chol meodecha, which means you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. That is the origin of what we call tefillin or phylacteries. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Well, how do we do it? The laws of the mezuzah came about in the rabbinic period. In the Talmud, we find guidelines on what to do, how to do it, when traditions and practices became standardized. Well, what are some of these mezuzah laws? Well, the mezuzah text is supposed to contain 22 lines of writing. Unlike the Torah scroll, which should be copied from another manuscript, a mezuzah can be written from memory by a scribe. And even if one letter of the text is missing, the mezuzah may not be used. The mezuzah is to be affixed to entrances of all residential buildings and to the doors of all rooms used for living purposes. So you can have many mezuzot in your house. In an earlier time, the rabbis taught that the mezuzah should not be attached to the doorposts of bathrooms, schools, or houses of worship, but the guidelines changed with the establishment of the State of Israel. It was during the late 1940s in Israel that the mezuzah is affixed to entrances of all public buildings and synagogues, and although the rabbis taught that the mezuzah is required only for residences, in modern times we show solidarity with Israel by putting them on on all of the rooms of our houses, office buildings, public buildings, etc., So, how do you put the mezuzah on your door? Well, it's to be affixed at an angle to the top third of the doorpost on the right as one enters, with the upper portion slanted inward. Now, that is if your family is Ashkenazi. If your family is from the Mediterranean or North African region like mine, they are Sephardic, and then you place it vertically, reminiscent of the zoos, the root, the back-and-forth relationship between ourselves and God. So, what if you move? 
or you sell or rent your home. What do you do with the mezuzah? Well, originally, we were told that we are to leave the mezuzah by the door. But as mezuzah became more artistic and personalized in nature, it has become popular modern halakha, Jewish law, to take that special mezuzah and with you when you move, but put another one in its place. For mezuzah, a mezuzah that are subject to the weather, rain or snow, or we are told to inspect the mezuzah, the prayer inside, for legibility of the writing twice in every seven years. For the indoor ones, that inspection is a a symbolic gesture. We establish that every mezuzah has in common, what, what, what it has in common on the inside, there is something that each mezuzah should have on the outside. And in fact, all of the gates of Jerusalem have a mezuzah except the Damascus Gate. That mezuzah was removed by the Arabs and unfortunately has never been replaced. And interestingly, all of the mezuzot on the Jerusalem gates are placed vertically, straight up and down, in the Sephardic tradition. Well, we're going to talk about what should be on the outside of your mezuzah, but first let's listen to Stephen Melzak. He has a wonderful song. I think it's more than appropriate, My Mezuzah. Let's listen. What is on the doorpost as you enter in your home? What is on the doors from room to room? Do you know the answer? What do you think I'll say? Can you guess? I'll tell you right away. It's my 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 is there for everyone to see. My 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 is there for everyone and me. It's my mezuzah, my mezuzah, my is there to help protect my home. With the words of God inside, decorates my doors with pride. My mezuzah stands for peace, so say shalom. With the words of God inside, it decorates my doors with pride, cause my mezuzah stands for peace, so say shalom. Now you know the answer, it's a symbol for us all, reminds us who we are and where we're from. Every time you enter, see it as a sign. It helps us know just where we all belong. It's my mezuzah, my mezuzah, my mezuzah's there for everyone to see. My mezuzah, my mezuzah, my mezuzah's there for everyone and me. It's my mezuzah, my mezuzah, my mezuzah's there to help protect my home. 
with the words of God inside Decorates my doors with pride My mezuzah stands for peace, so say shalom With the words of God inside It decorates my doors with pride Cause my mezuzah stands for peace, so say shalom My mezuzah, zuzah, zuzah. Did you like that song? I did. That was Stephen Melzack. Wonderful song about the mezuzahs. We continue talking about why. Well, right here on the Radio Rabbi program, we like to do a little Torah talk from time to time. And the words that we find in the mezuzah, on the mezuzah scroll, are from this week's Torah portion, Ve'et Hanan. We'll talk about the Ten Commandments coming up here, too, because we find them in the book of Deuteronomy or Devarim. Also, this is AM 930, The Answer, and uh, we're very happy to have you with us today. Okay, what's on the front of the mezuzah case? You had a little t- time to think about that, didn't you? The Hebrew letter Shin. I remember the shape of that letter when I was studying, when I was little. It looks like a ship. Right? Like the ship sails. Shin. That's right. And why is this Hebrew letter on every mezuzah? Well, what does it mean? No, 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 not for Shema. We think sometimes that might be it, but no, it is for the Hebrew word Shaddai. When passing through the door, one must touch and kiss the word Shaddai and recite the following prayer. May God keep my going out and my coming in from now on and forevermore. Shaddai, one of the names of God we find in the Torah, meaning God the protector. Well, there are all different kinds of mezuzot, as we talked about. I saw a beautiful wedding mezuzah that had a little huppa with the bride and groom standing underneath and uh, of course having a, a giving a wedding gift of mezuzah is wonderful because it does symbolize shalom bayit or peace in the home. Here in Italy when the glass is broken during the wedding we break a green glass to symbolize the new family that is made under the chuppah and uh, that's just been created with the uh, the blessings and the, and the marriage vows and the exchange of rings but then those pieces after the glass is broken we say muzzle tov or Right? Simintoff and Muzzletoff, many couples save the pieces, and there's a wonderful company in the U.S. that takes the pieces and encases them in plexiglass so that you can have a mezuzah on your door and you're able to see the pieces from uh, the glass that you broke on your wedding day. Well, there is a spiritual component to the mezuzah, and in reality, the mezuzah itself is the spiritual equivalent of the physical doorpost. And just as the doorpost allows passage between between public space and the private home, it, the mezuzah is actually a, a symbol of doing the very same. The word mezuzah, as we've said, is derived directly from the Hebrew word zuz, meaning to move. So the custom of a groom carrying his bride through the doorway originated from the tradi- Jewish tradition of the mezuzah, which implied the spiritual importance of that portal. Another reason that the mezuzah is so important is that it represents the Torah, because it would be impossible to place an entire Torah scroll on the doorpost. So we take an important passage from the Torah and we allow it to suffice 
for the entire Taurus scroll. Well, does the mezuzah really protect us? We have the shin on the front reminding us that God is our protector, but some might say, isn't that uh, basically superstition? It's an important question, and the rabbis have answered it. The mezuzah is a reminder like keeping kosher. It is a daily reminder of this ever-evolving relationship that we have with our spiritual selves. Maimonides, one of our greatest sages, wrote, a person should pay heed to the precept of the mezuzah. Whenever one enters or leaves a home with the mezuzah on the doorpost, that person has the opportunity to remember that we are more than the sum of our material possessions. The mezuzah reminds us that we are spiritual beings and that we can walk in the path of righteousness. Maimonides also says that the point of the mitzvah of the mezuzah, or the point of any mitzvah, is not to superstitiously or mindlessly perform it. No, no. Instead, our sages tell us that the point of the mitzvah is to change the person who performs it. So keeping and using a mezuzah on our door will allow us to remember the spiritual reasons why we placed it in our earthly home. Now the Zohar is the book of, of the Kabbalah written by the Jewish mystics, and it states that the mezuzah is placed on the door to keep away evil spirits. No, 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 not those that float around the figments of a rich imagination, no, but those that we can control, the inclination to do evil that resides inside our doors. After a hard day at work, a bad day at school, the inclination that when things are not going well to revert to selfish or mean-spirited behavior to take it out on the people at home. Well, the largest mezuzot in the world, well, there are two. One is the Kotel Plaza at the Ben-Gurion Airport, and both claim to be the largest, and both are over six feet in length. The Kotel Plaza and the Ben-Gurion Airport, the largest mezuzot in the world. The oldest person to affix a mezuzah, well, it was 2014 when Alexander Imich was 111 years old. Mr. Imich had been officially verified as the oldest living man in the United States in 2014 and the second oldest in the world. He lived alone in an apartment in Manhattan's Upper West Side where he had lived since 1965. Now, Mr. Imick was a Polish-born chemist who had survived two world wars, narrowly escaped Nazi death camps, and survived the notorious Russian work camps. He passed away, and may his memory be forever for a blessing. That was several years ago, and uh, he was the oldest person to affix a mezuzah. There was a nice article about him actually putting the mezuzah on the door. Do you have one? Oh, no, you don't, but I don't know where to get one. Well, you know, look up Judaica on Amazon. That's pretty easy, but maybe more important, stop by a synagogue gift store, because that helps support them. You'll see a wonderful array of mezuzot there, and you can pick one that uh, suits your style and uh, maybe you'd like to get one that has uh, Noah's Ark on it for children and remember to put that one down low so the little ones can touch it as well. This is the Radio Rabbi program. I am your Radio Rabbi and I'm so happy that you are with us today on AM 930 The Answer and uh, we have another mezuzah song this time Sam Glazer. How about the mezuzah song? Let's listen.
Passover in Egypt, not a sound could be heard. At the stroke of midnight, God fulfilled his word. Blood on the doorpost, soon parchment would replace, making clear this home's a holy space.
That is a beautiful song, isn't it? It's a new one that I just found. That was Sam Glazer. The song is called The Mezuzah Song, and this is the Radio Rabbi Program. I am your Radio Rabbi, so happy to be back. We're here every Sunday morning from 9 to 10 on AM 930, The Answer, and it is wonderful to have you with us, and it is wonderful to be back as well. I am also delighted to welcome Steve and the entire staff of Sarasota Watch Company as our new sponsor for the Radio Rabbi Program. Program. I had the pleasure of speaking with owner Steve Shimanoff, who opened the door to Sarasota Watch Company for me. And what I learned, remarkable. First, there's nothing like skill, dedication, and hard work to make a small business grow. And that's just what Steve and his staff have done. You know, they are tapping into three generations. Steve's family tradition of watchmaking and repair has spanned three generations and actually serves his customers very, very well. Now, from an impressive array of vintage watches, including a pocket watch, Steve says, from the 1800s to a state-of-the-art Rolex timepieces, Sarasota Watch Company has what you've been looking for when it comes to beauty and craftsmanship and style. So I'm going to ask you to stop by Sarasota Watch Company. See for yourself. You'll find gorgeous Rolexes, new and pre-owned, along with classic jewelry, from diamonds to one-of-a-kind estate pieces, and they are all reasonably priced. Steve says we pay top dollar for jewelry and for watches, and our customers tell us that working with us is hassle-free. That's good to know, isn't it? So, where will you find Sarasota Watch Company? Well, 4180 Tamiami Trail. Stop by or call Steve at 941-953-1315. That number again is 953-1315. So, indeed, the time is right, pun intended. Yes, for a pre-owned or new watch or an expert watch repair, stop by the Sarasota Watch Company, a wonderful family enterprise, and the brand new sponsor of the Radio Rabbi Program. Thank you so much, Steve. We're so happy to be able to promote such a wonderful business in our community. A regular feature here on the Radio Rabbi Program is the Misha Barak. We pray for those who are ill. Earlier, we talked about the Kabbalah and the Kabbalists, the Jewish mystics. They did a lot of teaching about um, spiritual aura, and um, that would be A-U-R-A, spiritual aura. And um, the the Kabbalists taught that uh, that there is greater strength when we pray together, even more so than when we pray alone. That's one of the reasons why sitting shoulder to shoulder, side by side in a synagogue or in your Jewish community is so important because it multiplies that strength. So we say aloud the names of those of our friends and our family who are ill, and we remember today for Misha Barak, Nina, Dennis, Carolyn, Sandy, Alessandro, Andrea, Sophia, James, and Annie. And now I'd like you to say aloud the names of your friends and family who are ill. Enlarge that spiritual energy with me. Do it right now as we listen to the beautiful words of comfort sung by Debbie Friedman of Blessed Memory. The CD is Renewal of Spirit and the prayer is the Misha Hmm. 
Debbie Friedman, Misha Barak, right here on the Radio Rabbi program. Well, I have, I've often heard people say to me, well, you know, Rabbi, I'm not all that religious, but I do keep the Ten Commandments. Well, that's a good idea. 
And this week's this week we have Parshava Kanan in front of us to look at the Ten Commandments and see what each is asking us to do. Uh, Rabbi Yossi Goldman writes that um, that the ten, looking at the Ten Commandments from a modern perspective is really important. Moses reviews the Big Ten in the Torah in Ve'ekanan and Deuteronomy. This this week's coming Parsha allows us to go through the list and we can see how we score. Okay, number one. I am the Lord your God. Basically, this is the command to believe in one God. It asks us to have faith that God exists, even if there are times when we feel alone, isolated, angry, or afraid. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, so you don't make a habit of bowing down to that bust of Buddha you have in your living room. The question is, should it be there in the first place? And isn't it interesting that today we have all these idols, competitions that are broadcast all over the world? Then, of course, there are the, all those well-established contemporary idols we tend to ogle and worship. Sports idols, music idols, television and theater idols, political idols, surfing the net. Googling or focusing on a favorite idol can take precious time away from responsibilities and relationships. Do not take the name of God in vain. This is not only about taking oaths or swearing in court. What about swearing in the street? How many choice four-letter words are in our vocabulary? Or the music we listen to or the comedians that make us laugh? If we drag God into graphic expressions, how does that affect us and those who hear us sounding off? Observe the Shabbat day to keep it holy. Interestingly, the Ten Commandments appears twice in the Torah. In Exodus, the Fourth Commandment begins with Zahor, remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. This week, we'll read Shamor, observe the Sabbath day. Well, why? Observing Shabbat is the hard part. It may cramp our current lifestyles to carve out family time once a week, but Shabbat is a way of keeping us connected to our traditions and to each other. Honor your father and your mother. Well, for young people, this mitzvah asks that we not smart mouth mom or dad. For adult children, it may mean caring for and tending to the needs of an elderly loved one. Adult children cook, clean, manage medication, schlep, and often, if a condition like Alzheimer's is in the picture, they tolerate inconsistencies in behavior that might include safety issues or even verbal abuse. This commandment seems to get more difficult as we age. Yet the Torah makes no distinctions based on maturity or whether a parent was marginal or even toxic. It is our responsibility to look after our parents when they are dependent on us as they looked after us when we were dependent on them. Thou shalt not murder. You thought of doing it. You almost did it. But in the end, you knew that life is precious. <laughs> However, this commandment allows for self-defense in the face of life-threatening danger to ourselves or our families. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Facebook, dating sites, pornography give new dimensions to this mitzvah. Thou shalt not steal. This commandment originally involved kidnapping, but now we consider not only the prohibition not to steal people, money, or property, but also not to steal time from our employers, our teachers, time from our families, or time from our obligations. You shall not bear false witness. How truthful are we? Even if we are not under worth, under oath, our word should be sacred. There is a story about an elderly rabbi who was introduced to a group of university students simply as a man who never told a lie. How many of us could make that claim? And it's never too late to start. Thou shalt not covet. 
Commentaries divine this injunction as a prohibition on badgering someone to give up a prized possession or to buy us something expensive or frivolous. It includes conniving to acquire, even legally, that which belongs to another. The flip side of this mitzvah is, if it's important to you, work hard, and then go get it on your own. Modern take on the Ten Commandments. That's from Rabbi Yossi Goldman. Well, Adon Alam, it ends our Shabbat services, and it will wrap us up, I think, for the Radio Rabbi program, too. It is from, again, Sam Glacier, but this time his, uh, his CD is Rebbe Sol, Adon Alam. Adon Alam,
favorites done it in a brand new way. Well, we've come to the end of our hour here on the Radio Rabbi program, and you know what we like to say. We are pluralistic, and well, what does that mean? Well, whether you are Reform, Progressive, Orthodox, Reconstructionist, that happens to be our synagogue now. We're part of the Reconstructionist movement. Where you Are you conservative, part of the Renewal movement, Humanistic, Ashkenazic, or Sephardic? Are you part of the B'nai Anosim? Maybe you might, your family might once have been Moranos or Conversos? Are you a cultural, a secular, or even a gastronomical Jew? You know what? We are all part of the Mishpacha. We're part of a worldwide, wonderful Jewish family. As we say to you, welcome home. This is Rabbi Barbara Aiello, your radio rabbi, and we will see you next week on AM 930 The Answer, FM 103.1 and 93.7. Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Kaverim. Shalom, Kaverim. Shalom, Kaverim. Shalom.